Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Fibre is a key nutrient for our gut to function optimally. Yet in the UK, just 9% of adults consume the recommended intake of 30 grams per day. While whole grain pasta, oats, berries and nuts are all great sources, the reality is most of us still are not getting enough. There is strong evidence that eating plenty of fibre is associated with a lower risk of heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes and even bowel cancer. Choosing foods of fibre also helps make us feel fuller, as well as aiding digestion and preventing constipation. Bimuno is a high fibre supplement that can be taken if you are struggling to achieve your daily fibre target through food. It's a taste-free powder that travels through your digestive system intact until it reaches your colon, where it encourages the growth of naturally occurring good gut bacteria. When taken daily, it can increase levels of good gut bacteria within just seven days. Visit bimuno.com and enter the code RETRITION at checkout to get 10% off. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Unfortunately, of the 6.3 billion tonnes of plastic waste produced since the 1950s, only 9% has been recycled. And it's no wonder thousands of tonnes of plastic sit unrecycled in landfills. It reportedly takes between 450 to 1,000 years to break down and decompose. The worst part of all of this is that plastic breaks down into microplastics and ends up in our oceans. We are now seeing devastating levels of habitat destruction and wildlife wipeouts as a result of the seemingly innocent material that we use in abundance every single day. The question that we really ought to understand is whether it's too late to reverse the effects of plastic pollution. So joining me to share how we can take on one of the biggest threats to nature is David Jones, environmentalist and founder of conservation charity Just One Ocean. Hello, David. Hi. 
Hello. Um, thank you so much for coming in. I think for everybody, hearing all the stats um, about plastic is, is pretty terrifying in general. Just how much trouble do you think we're in right now? I think we're in a lot of trouble. Um, we started manufacturing plastic really in the sort of 1950s on a massive scale. Mm. And when we did that, what we didn't do is work out how we were going to manage it. It's a problem we have as human beings. We introduce things and we don't actually think through to fruition as to what's going to happen. Mm. Um, so it's sort of come back to, to bite us, I suppose. Um, we're currently producing 335 million tonnes of plastic every single year. Oh, goodness. And half of that we throw away after we use it once. Now, that's just not sustainable. No, I mean, I've got some stats here that according to the UN, the United Nations, plastic waste generation has more than tripled in two decades by the 1990s. And I mean, how have we ended up with this magnitude of, of a problem? What, what can we do? Is it increased single use, like you just said, um, fishing? How does it affect fishing and importing? Well, we've become, we've become reliant on it. Uh, yeah. For good reasons. It's a, it's a miraculous product. Mm. It's changed our lives um, for the better in a lot of instances. But the fundamental problem is that we didn't think it through. So mm. we don't have the waste management processes to deal with it. But also our culture, our behaviour has, has changed. We've become used to taking things and, and just throwing it away, mm. um, whether that's a, a water bottle or having something that's now wrapped in a plastic package because it, it's not going to make a mess when we put it in our bag. All these things, it lasts longer. So there that, that needs to be a fundamental shift both in both of those areas, the, mm. the waste management processes and the f facilities that we have. Uh, and that's around the world. And, and you imagine in a lot of developing countries, it's really bad. Um, and also a cultural change, behavioural change that says, no, this is not okay. No. And I think you touched really nicely there on the fact that culturally as well and in developing countries, of course, they're not in a position that we're, we are here in the fact that we are very lucky in the UK to have most of us a position of privilege where we have access to fresh water, food, um, drink. And in other countries, for them to make a big switch where plastic might could be life dependent, I suppose, on plastic. Well, I, I think that's, that's probably true. But we shouldn't sit here thinking that we're not being affected because mm. uh, the fact is we are. Mm. Um, you know, I recently conducted some research for the BBC and we looked at what plastics there were or what anthropogenic material, man-made stuff, if you like, yeah. in, in tap water from around the UK. Now, I thought we might find a little bit. I was actually shocked because we found roughly on average from 12 different locations, about 200 fibres or particles that we think were probably plastic. Mm, that is pretty shocking. It's in a litre of water. Yes. OK, what happened with with that research? Uh, well, it's still ongoing. And I think yeah. a lot of the, the... There is a lot of research now going on because people have sort of woken up to the fact that we've got a big problem. Mm. So that's a good thing. Yes. There's not enough scientists out there, unfortunately. We need to have investment nationally, internationally, mm. in science so we can find out more. I think what people really should uh, consider is not what we know 
it's what we don't know mm. that concerns me. And it's the thing that I suppose frightens me a little bit. Um, we found plastic particles on the top of mountains in the Pyrenees. We found them in, um, in glaciers in the middle of nowhere. We found plastic in beer, which mm. is terrible from my perspective because I like beer. Um, and it's probably in the food that you're going to have for your lunch. But, you know, what we don't know is what impact that has on us. How is that going to affect our health? What are the long-term repercussions of it? We're starting to find out, mm. but it is something we really need to start to put a little bit more investment in to, to make sure we know. We do. It's a topic that makes me, even sitting here listening to you um, divulge those facts, um, extremely nervous because it is it is quite scary. And your website states, and this is quite shocking again, that 80% of the waste in the ocean is plastic. 80%? What, what makes plastic so unique to other materials that well, why can't we dispose of them? Why? Well, because it's not it's it's a man-made material. So it has mm. no place in nature. Nature's very good at disposing of its own natural waste. So mm. if you you just have to leave a bowl of fruit in your kitchen for a couple of weeks and watch it just disintegrate yeah. into nothing and eventually yeah. things would actually start to grow on its own waste. It's a wonderful cyclical thing. Mm. Um and nature has no way to break down man-made materials that we we use to make plastic because no, you can't burn plastic you could argue that 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 it is an option and there are issues with burning it obviously because it releases gases um but those can be captured there are means of doing that and so you could argue that you could burn plastic for energy um production which is done in, mm-hmm. in a lot of parts mm-hmm. of the world um but is that ideal no because it, no. what we're using is a finite resource yes. and so it's 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 not a cyclical it's not a circular economy here yeah. and that's really where we need to to change no 100% you've discussed the term microplastics could you just explain to everyone listening what, what that means well the scientific community took some time to actually come <laughs> up with with what it means and and the, the 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 best description is is my, it's plastic particles that are less than five millimeters in in size. Now, what we're finding out now is that that plastics don't sort of suddenly disappear, but they break down into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces. So mm. we're talking about nanoplastics here, with a size that could actually go in between the cell wall. Gosh. Um, and so so that's but fundamentally we're talking about something five millimeters and, and less yes okay right and that's the kind of plastic that you definitely find hidden in pretty much most items you've said that we, we wouldn't expect well you're going to find microplastics that are a lot smaller than that okay um you're talking about microns so tenths of a, of ah, a millimeter okay as opposed to 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 millimeters but Goodness. but you only have to go down to your local beach to find microplastics between one and five millimeters in size because they're there all the time and you've got different types so you have primary microplastics and that's stuff that was made to be small generally these tend to be the pre-production pellets that the manufacturers use to move plastics around the world for making into things when they get to their destination right so that's what a primary plastic microplastic is but you also get secondary microplastics now these are the things that have been broken down from larger items so somebody throws a bucket in the in the ocean or something and it breaks down over 10 20 years mm. or whatever depending mm. on the wave action and the, and the sunlight and uh, and things nibbling at it and that then breaks down into small things they're called secondary microplastics right okay no you're, you're very correct i mean i remember the last time i went on holiday unfortunately it was quite a while ago now <laughs> um and yeah you only had to walk within a meter on the beach and you would see you know a bottle top or even a pair of flip-flops i think i saw on one particular beach because i like to do a little beach clean wherever i go i know it's 
it's something a lot of people are now talking about very actively in the media. If you're in a position where you can help, just do something. But the fact that it is appearing in so many different areas of life, you mentioned earlier in our water, it really is alarming. And and when it comes to nutrition, you'll see that's my, my key area. One of the problems we hear most about in the news and documentaries that talk about plastic is the impact of overfishing on the oceans and through advancements in our technology and different types of plastic. Is it easy now to catch enormous amounts of fish in one go if if you don't have that plastic? What can we do? Well, there have been massive changes in the fishing industry and Mm. and, um, there are are big problems within that industry. And Mm. the management of fish and overfishing is a global issue. It wasn't that long ago that the bluefin tuna, for example, the Atlantic bluefin tuna, which migrates from... The, the sort of across the Atlantic into the Mediterranean uh, annually to spawn um, was heading towards extinction. Uh, and yeah. But management processes that have been put in place are now helping it to recover. And we know that we can, we know that if we put the right management processes in place, mm. then we can actually protect our fish stocks mm. uh, and have, uh, you know, yields of, and still be able to fill, feed people, still uh, have economies that, that run because of fishing industries and things like that. Now, there have been huge changes into the yeah. sort of mass factory ships that are yeah. going out there. These are these are this is not good management. No, um, and you know that's something that needs to be addressed. Now, the other problem that you, you're probably alluding to um, are the plastic nets, the polypropylene nets, uh, and and they're pretty cheap in comparison to to, to what they probably used yes. to be to to manufacture. And you know we need some way of. Uh, recording them they all they most of them just kind of float or a lot of them float when they get on the surface but then they still continue to catch so you've got this it's a, a term they use is ghost fishing uh, and these nets that are discarded because they become entangled or because they get lost or whatever reason mm. um, continue to fish as they float around the ocean so that is a big problem and, yeah. and you know that that's that's something that a lot of people are trying to address which is good well, yeah, it's really good it's being spoken about because I read again that 80% of the Earth's wildlife is contained in the sea. So it's really saddening when you've got these awful effects of pollution on sea life. And I mean, you must have seen such upsetting things working for your charity. I have. And, and I've seen a, a lot because I, I've been an underwater film cameraman and a, and a photographer for, for many years. Um, and it and it is getting worse. I mean, the pro, the problem is getting worse, uh, and we're seeing entanglement. We're seeing ingestion issues. One of the things that's interesting and, and quite frightening is that we're also seeing what I would refer to as a habitat change and the behavioural change within some species. And mm-hmm. I was recently uh, filming in Indonesia and found quite a lot of animals that were using plastic, for example, as homes. Oh, really? Um, and it's an interesting ethical dilemma, which I posed to some people I was speaking to while I was out there, is to do I clean the ocean because the plastic is pollution and shouldn't be there? Mm. But at the same time, do I deprive the coral of its home when it's been there for six years or the, the fish of its home so it then has nowhere to hide and then gets eaten by a predator? So there's an interesting kind of oh, thing that's developing yeah. over and above what we, we think. But th- these are the sorts of issues that are coming about the more and more we look at the problem and the more the problem grows. You know, There's nowhere in the ocean now that, that is sacred, unfortunately. And, and you alluded to the importance of it. In terms of the economy, it's huge. 17% of the world's population actually rely on it as a source of protein. Mm. Uh, it's, you know, we have to do better than we're doing. No, we really, we really do. 
in terms of feeding the world and a population that soon it's going to be very difficult to feed at the rate that we're actually growing. On top of the fact that you've just mentioned quite rightly, the whole entire ocean is full of plastic. It does seem very overwhelming, but it's not even just creatures in the ocean. I read that 16% of seabirds were also caught in the plastic. Well, um, seabirds feed from the ocean yeah. and, and and a lot of plastics float. That's why we find them on our, on our beaches. Yeah. Um, in fact, the two major groups, which are polyethylene and polypropylene, they both float. Yeah. Um, and if they break down into something that looks bright and coloured and, and food-like, then it's going to be eaten by by a passing um, seabird. So, yeah. you know, uh, a, a colleague of mine, a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Jennifer Lavers, has been doing a huge amount of work on on shearwaters, um, flesh-footed shearwaters, which are a bird down in the southern hemisphere. And they mm. actually, what's interesting is that she's been finding lots and lots of plastic in the chicks that have been brought to them by their parents. Now, but what's an interesting and rather worrying is that these shearwaters are actually feeding on the Antarctic shelf. So they're going all the way down from Lord Howe Island, which is around about sort of New Zealand area, mm. um, going down to the Antarctic shelf. And that's where they're picking up their food. Right. And these are areas that we're not researching, we're not looking at yet. And so that's something that oh, needs a lot more research. No, I I will never forget one image, and it was on one of the oh, I can't remember the name of the documentary. There's so many wonderful ones now that are starting to be produced, as, as you know. And I'll never forget them cutting open a bird, and it was just completely full of plastic shards. And there's something extremely, as a human being, is a is a deep sadness because of what we've done to the planet. But at the same time, I want to try and think of something that we can do to obviously stop this. Is, is there anything we, we can do Well, yes. Right now? Just going back to your last comment, yes. the film was called <laughs> The Plastic Ocean. And I was a scientific advisor and, and yeah. uh, one of the cameramen for that. So, um, yes. The, uh, so what can we do about it? Well, th- there, are, there are lots of things and, and they're all out there. They're all public knowledge, you know. Um, there's the refuse, the reduce, mm. the recycle, the rethink. These are things that we have to to do um but why this do you is... think it's not law yet i mean why do you think it's not a government rule that everybody in the uk i don't know has one keep cup or something along those lines because i think you have to be realistic about what you can make mm. uh or what you can legislate about yeah in this country in particular we really hate being told what to do <laughs> very true you know? uh, an actual fact mm. if somebody was to make a law of it people would go out their way to do something else mm. so i don't think that but making it a law is the solution. But having legislation is a part of a strategic uh, mix of ideas, or um, if you like, that, that should be um, there to, to address it. Now, I think one of my issues at the moment, certainly in this country, is that we're very much sort of knee-jerk reactions to, to the problems. We, mm. we see a problem and so we say, right, well, well let's ban microbeads. Okay, what's the next problem? Well, if we get rid of straws and stirrers, that might that's gonna that will appease the masses, I suppose. A slightly cynical view, but but mm. you know that's what it is. And actually, what we should be doing is having a really uh, strong, hard look at what we're doing and have a strategy that includes science and investing yes. in science, includes education, so that people know because otherwise nobody knows about the science. Mm. Looks at innovation, and I'm not just talking about 
making the same stuff out of something else. That's mm. not innovation. Mm. That's just an excuse. Um, alternatives. So if you're going to take something out of somebody's lives, they actually need something to replace it with. That's the fact. That's what we're like. So we need yeah. to address that at the same time. Uh, we need to have public engagement. Mm -hmm. So people need to be involved. They need to take ownership of the problem. Yeah. And then the last of those six, if you like, would be legislation. Yeah. Because, and again, I put it last deliberately because we hate being told what to do, yeah. but we have to therefore enforce things that we know that we can enforce. And in my eyes, I mean, thank you. Obviously, you are the most aptly qualified person to be on this podcast to discuss this. But the last one in particular with, with the legislation, I mean, in my eyes, what about the human consumption of plastic? How, do we know yet how this affects our health? No, we don't. And this is the area which I, I think I alluded to earlier, which is mm. something we have to address. I'm part of a of an organization called the Plastic Health Coalition, which is a, a group of organizations that are that are looking into this. And we're having a summit in Amsterdam in October. Okay. Um but yeah, this this is very much um the key thing I think. You know, we shouldn't be afraid about what we know. We should be more afraid about what we don't know. Mm. And that's where we should be focusing a lot of our attentions at the moment. And I know that people yeah. are, which is good, yeah. uh, but it takes time. Well, it does take time. And I think even us having this conversation is a step in the right direction. But when you think of plastic, most people just think BPA in water bottles. Well, it's just been banned in this country for a long time. There we go. So this is the thing. We don't have the data, like you said. And you've mentioned about it being in the water that we drink. What about consuming it via the packaged goods already? So do we know if plastic seeps into food? That's something I'm often asked. Uh, there's lots of research out there. Um, there are a lot of... Uh, chemicals or additives to plastic that give them the wonderful properties that we like about them and a lot of these are endocrine disrupting chemicals so yeah. they are effectively toxic they affect the hormonal system so you know you could eat you could have uh, you could ingest if you like or be affected by some phthalates but you're not the person who who will, will probably show any impact as it were mm. that will be passed down to children and, and things like that so we know for example and you mentioned bpa that bpa mm. is passed from mother to to child through mm. breast milk mm. um which is quite shocking really so there are lots and lots of, of additives in there now are they are they good for us no probably not um if you heat a polystyrene carton in your microwave, um, then it's likely to leach out chemicals or toxins from that material. Well, styrene is a carcinogen. We know that. Yeah. Um, so, again, it's not a good thing to do. No. But, but then if you look at a plastic water bottle, in theory, there is nothing that would come out of that, although it does if you reuse it several times yeah. because the plastic then starts to crack and then it gets germs. So it's not necessarily the chemicals. But there is a much wider problem with this because once it gets into the environment, certainly when it gets into the oceans mm -hmm. and it breaks down, yeah. it actually attracts other toxins, things that we call uh, persistent organic pollutants. Okay. And these are things like DDT, which was a wide widespread in, as a um, uh, for, for insects, for killing insects, was sort of banned. Um, but there are lots of other derivatives. DDE is, is another one. And this is this is in the environment. Now, in the ocean, most of these are diluted to the extent that we don't actually... We can go swimming and we're not going to sort of suddenly come out with a rash because of DDT. But what plastic is doing is providing a medium for these toxins to latch onto it because they're all hydrophobic. They lay, they sit in the top layer and they, they, they look at plastic particles. The best way of sort of imagining it is as a as a life raft so they drop onto these things and they mm. attach to them 
Uh, and so these are really, really nasty toxins. Again, they're all endocrine disruption, uh, yeah. disrupting chemicals. And they are getting passed up the food chain. So they're bioaccumulating as they go up the food chain from mm. the tiniest sort of trophic layers up to the to the highest apex predators, something like a tuna, which you uh, or, or somebody would potentially eat. Well, we know we know the effect of produce as well is obviously declining and only at the beginning of the year in my nutrition world we were told that tuna is no longer a source of omega-3 anymore. So we, we know things are changing, the tuna steaks. And what you've just said, though, <laughs> to what extent do you feel the responsibility lies of corporations? So, you know, the manufacturers, the people that produce the drinks, where does this come in? Well, the classic argument from the plastics industry when when you when you talk yeah. to them is that we we don't we just make it we don't throw it away. Oh, typical. Um, which, which I can understand what their what their argument is, but it is the biggest cop out that they could possibly come up with, and it's 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 the it's the best answer they've got, I'm afraid. So um, the manufacturers must have responsibility for this, and they need yeah. to take more responsibility yeah. for this. They're making huge profits. That's a fact, um, and. You know, the the they're not going to stop producing it because mm. the, anybody who does it's going to be out of a job because their shareholders say, well, "Hang on a second, the whole purpose of this business is to make profit," uh, and so that's that's the economic world that we live in. Yeah. But but there should be uh, more um, producer responsibility. Well, definitely, like you mentioned with the um, the little balls of plastic being taken out of some beauty products, for instance, at least that is a step in the right direction. Oh, I mean, that's, 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 a, that's a simple. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. step in the right direction because that should be something that shouldn't have been there in the first, the first place. place it's ludicrous yeah. you know yeah. it's like the person who, who decides to put an orange in a plastic and peel the orange and put it in a plastic <laughs> box which is just the most quite obscene to be honest Sad. With you. Yeah. but but um but but the 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 user responsibility extends beyond that beyond having a responsibility to uh act in the right way in what they put into our lives it also has a responsibility to do something about the mess. Um, and if yes. you look at Germany, for example, the production companies, the people who actually 
put uh, plastic products into lives are those companies, whether it's a food company, whether it's a cosmetics, they are the people who pay for the process, the waste management process in the country to actually um, get rid of that plastic, to right. recycle that plastic. Okay. Now, they've been doing that since the early 19, 1991. It is not rocket science. Um, so why are we not doing it here? <laughs> this is a very good question. Yeah. Okay, I get the answer there just from that one liner. It is a good it is a good question and I think consumer responsibility is important. And we almost I think as of everything, so I've been very fortunate enough to have conversations with wonderful people like like yourself in that their fields of research, their topics, um, and extremely important topics like this that will affect us all. We almost need to change our attitudes and our our behaviours daily to fit with a lifestyle that's within our means or within the planet. And I think sometimes we get very consumed in our own day-to-day, you know, going-ons rather than thinking about the bigger implications each action we make can have. It's almost like we've lost touch, I think, a little bit of reality. And it's it's a very, this is a very emotive topic. It's making me a little bit upset to even be, be speaking about it in this way. But if we can all just take something home from listening to this conversation today, it's that we have to do something. Perhaps at home when you're buying your shopping, you can go for the loose vegetables rather than the packs. One thing that gets me, David, is those salad packs. I mean, I'm telling you, they're always there at the end of the day, left on the supermarket shelves. No one touches them, yet we have masses of them, like a little bag, 100 grams worth of leaves in a plastic bag. Do you have any um, insider knowledge on what the supermarkets are doing? Or Well, the supermarkets are now starting to pay attention because mm-hmm. there's, no re- there's no way they can ignore what's going on. No. Uh, in 2009, when I started looking at this problem and trying to speak to uh, you know, all of the supermarkets... I was roundly ignored by by all of them. That must so, have been so difficult. So you know they are now doing something about it. They're yeah. starting, but I mean everybody's jumping onto the bandwagon, and people are saying they're jumping on the bandwagon. Mm. But I, I don't care if they jump on the bandwagon as long as they're starting to do something. Yes. Um, there is a danger of greenwashing from a lot of places. You know, you, people need to be seen to be doing stuff. That sort of which is a slightly mm. cynical way of, of, of acting. But I think if, as long as people are now aware of the issues and they're starting to address it, then then that's a good good thing. I completely agree. But going back to your salad um, yes. packets, which is interesting, is that we, 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 all, we do need a, a cultural change because on one hand, we, we want our convenience. Of course. You know, we want to have something that we can just pick up and go. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have to think about it and make it the day before or put it in a reusable pot because it just doesn't suit our lifestyle. So we, we, you know, and at the same time, we then take back things because we say, oh, this is excessive packaging. Well, we bought it in the first place. And, you know, and so I I get that. So there is a a need to to change our behaviour. I think, um, you know, what what could everybody take away from that? I think it was it was. John John Kennedy, who who's, who said, you know, that very few of us will have the opportunity to bend history throughout in our lifetime, but we will all be able to have, do something that can make a difference. And I think that that's, you know, even and be pragmatic about it. You know, if you stop using bottled water because you suddenly realise that it's the biggest marketing con of the twenty first century, <laughs> and actually the stuff that comes out of the tap is perfectly good to drink in this country, um, then you know. That's a good change. And if you still continue to eat your salad, that's not brilliant. But 
There you go. One thing I have noticed is that airports now, they do have uh, water fountains that you can fill your reusable bottle with. And I don't know why that's so amazing to me, because when I was at school as a child, we had water fountains. But for some reason, there was this period of time where it just they weren't really seen. Uh, and why were they taken away? Exactly. Well, they're probably taken away because of health and safety. You know, Goodness. there was this thing, oh, we can't have it. And, and it is it is a big problem. We used to have fountains all over London. Yeah. I used to live in London as a child. And yeah. you go around the parks, and in the parks there were little fountains. I mm. remember, you know, uh, in St. James's Park, Hyde Park. Um, and, and yes, but so we've, we've moved on from that. We have different things now. But I, I was speaking in Luxembourg a few months ago. And, you know, in the centre of Luxembourg, they have these little stands with water. And it's there. It's available. And and that's changing as well. You know, there, there's, there's lots of uh, campaigns, there's sort of tap campaign, there's a mm. refill campaign, and you can get apps for these things. And there are businesses and shops where you can go and fill up a refill, yeah. uh, refill your bottle uh, if you want to. So I think that's 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 good, and that's a that's a positive step. And I mean, all of these things, we're never going to solve this problem overnight. No. If you think we are, then <laughs> then think again. But we we can take all these really good small steps. Um, as individuals and hopefully all together it will make a, a big impact. Well, it will have to because doesn't it also affect our atmosphere as well? So the impact that we're having with the environment on a whole is relaying in the fact that perhaps the oxygen in the air we're even breathing. Does it go that far? Well, there is. we already know that plastic is floating around in the air. So mm-hmm. we are breathing in plastic as we speak, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, there's tons, of, well, not tons, but there's lots of particles just landed in my glass of water, which is sat in front of yes. me, and I'm about to drink it. Yes. That's not to say I shouldn't keep drinking, because no. at the moment we don't know what the impact is. There are also lots of other things out there which we've put into, <laughs> into the atmosphere. <laughs> well, we had a whole episode well. on pollution, and it was, um, it was fascinating, but again, really terrifying with the levels that we're currently at in the UK. But they mentioned titanium dioxide by any chance. They, they did, yeah. and we mentioned the tube a lot, and, you know... <laughs> It was it was quite heavy going, but actually informative. Out of your experience, and this is something I didn't even have prepared to ask you, what's been the most momentous location when you've been filming or thing that you've seen that you've really thought, this is why I keep fighting every day for for this? I, I see it every time I, I take a camera or I put my head underwater, I see it. Um, every time I drive anywhere and I see people have just left stuff on the side of the road Mm. it annoys me and I Mm. just don't understand that mentality I suppose if you're asking for that sort of the one defining moment was when we filmed blue whales off the coast of Sri Lanka and we spent two weeks trying to find them Mm. Um, and they're not easy things although they're massive they're really (laughs) difficult to actually sort of be in the same place as they are because the ocean is also pretty big Um, and while we were there in the sort of the feeding grounds, I'm not quite sure why the blue whales migrate there every year, but they do, um, whether it's to breed or feed. Um, we came across quite a lot of pollution and certainly a, quite a few large patches of pollution that had come from land sources, had washed out, and we were sort of 40, 50 miles off the coast. That is awful. And you sort of think, well, this is where these animals, these are, and the, you know, the top of the food chain, uh, and this is where they eat, and they have no, they they can't, they don't make a choice. They're there because they've done it for millions of years. Yeah, and they just open their mouths and they take in what's there. And I think you know to sort of think, well, that's not our right. We have no right no. to do that to mm. those animals. Mm. We have a right or an obligation um, to actually protect them. And we're not doing it. So 
that and lots and lots of other reasons make me every day want to try and do something that makes wow. a difference and, and change science, change education, change people's perceptions. Yeah. Um, and I'm never going to change the world because I'm not that person who's going to bend history that Kennedy was talking about. But hopefully I can make my own well, little difference. I don't know, David, even coming on this podcast is making a very big difference. I feel extremely emotional after hearing that. Actually, that's quite an image that you can also picture as you describe that as well, which is deeply saddening. Um, and I think moving on to questions we've had from our listeners for you. So we've had quite a few and it was really difficult to actually um, pick just five. But... Tilly has said, and I thought this was quite an interesting one to pick because it's a typical kind of mindset, I think, of a lot of people. Um, aren't Asian countries more to blame than Western countries? Um, yeah, it's always one of those things that people mm. sort of throw out at, at you. Um, and it depends on what you call blame. It, does the majority of the plastic pollution in the oceans come from five Asian countries uh, specifically? Yes. Okay. But does that mean they're to blame? Because what we've done is we've, we've, we have countries where the products that we've developed mm. have been introduced into their countries. And, and whereas we sort of here in the UK, in the US, in Europe, we're still, even we're still trying to play catch up with our waste management and our behavioral changes. Mm. They, they never had, they didn't even get that kickstart. So no. I think to sort of blame somebody Isn't in right that way is not yeah. good. We What we should be doing is accepting responsibility for some of that as well and investing uh, our own efforts into doing that. And I know, um, I remember I spoke to Penny Morden when she was in a previous job before she um, became the Defence Secretary. You know, And I know that when she was working for Diffit, that that was actually something that the UK government was doing. They were investing wow. in countries because ultimately if we don't we're gonna we have the impact of it anyway something yeah. thrown into the river ganges <laughs> could very much end up i know on a beach in cornwall so yeah you know don't we can't work in no. isolation i mean my organization is called just one ocean because yeah. there is just one just ocean one, we're just one human they're all, race they're all they're all just they're mm. all connected there's no sort mm. of wall between the atlantic and the pacific at yeah. one point they join and you can say well yeah. which which one am i in now i don't know so you know we can't sort of apportion blame in that way no and i, I Yes, that, that's that's where we need to uh, yeah. sort of address it okay. and, and turn the tap off because that's where that big tap is. But, yeah. but blame is not the right no. not the right phrase. No, wonderfully explained. Thank you. Um, Kurt has asked, when I see, well, rather stated, when I see products made from recycled plastic, I can't help but think that those items will still end up in the ocean at some point. So they aren't really helping. You know, is the plastic I'm recycling being recycled? Well, if you get something that's made out of recycled plastic, then it's already been recycled once. Um, one of the problems with, with plastic, uh, as opposed to glass and metals, is the mm. difficulty in actually separating it. Um, you know, if you want to separate a bunch of metal, you can do very simple things to it, and mm. it will separate out the iron, it will separate out the gold, aluminium and stuff like yeah. that. You can't do that with mixed plastics. So that's what makes it... An, an, an issue now if you use it if you're using something that's that's made out of recycled plastic then it's already been through the process once so that's better than virgin plastic that's yeah. come straight from oil or even if it's a bioplastic um can it be recycled again yes it can can it be in recycled uh, 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 you know any number of times the answer is 
Well, no, because contaminants and things like that sort mm. of um, like you do said play, earlier. Play yeah. So, so that makes that makes life difficult. So, will it get into the ocean, even if it's a recycled product? Quite possibly. So this is where, you know, we need to make sure that those yeah. management processes are in place so that it doesn't. Oh, God, I, I keep picturing those whales and that, <laughs> the, that floating plastic that you described. And, and Joseph has also asked, I heard that there is a giant island of plastic floating in the sea. Is that true? Uh, no, that's not true. Uh, and, and actually, one of the, uh, the, the things is that this was a, it's a great myth. It's a great, you know, if I'm, if I'm wanting to sell a, me, a, a newspaper... <laughs> I'm going to say there's a huge island of plastic, twice the size of Texas, three times the size of France, uh, and you can go and look at it from a, a satellite. Well, actually, you can't because you go look at satellite imagery. There's nothing there. And, and you can't see it because it's worse than that. And yeah. I know that sounds like it couldn't be worse, but it is because mm. it's more like a smog. It's more like a soup of particles and you know, and it, it extends. It doesn't have distinct boundaries either. It just sort of thins out and doesn't get quite as concentrated. And in the centre, it gets more concentrated. So there are more particles it's per like cubic metre of water. Something you can't see that's just there. Well, it also moves around as well, yeah. which is one of the problems, because the currents shift, so it, it changes with the currents. But but everybody talks about the North Pacific garbage patch. Now, yeah. we know there are garbage patches. It's probably the wrong word, because it makes it sound like it's big lumps, and it's not necessarily so. Um, it, but, you know in all the other oceans as well. So this is, like I say, they're all, they're all interlinked. And mm. um, it, it's, it's something that is difficult because it's not something we just go and pick up. No, I just think we have to stop buying so much plastic if, if we can, you know, just swap one thing daily just to reduce the amount because otherwise, I mean, are we running out? Another question we've had from Rebecca is that are we running out of space to store plastic? What do you mean by store? Well, I'm guessing, I don't um, know what she means. Maybe I, that she can't break down, maybe that... I mean, while plastic is is being held to be recycled or yeah. reused, yes, we have run out of it because we didn't put the management processes in place. Yeah. You know, and, and people are shipping it out to other countries, to Southeast Asian countries, and, and it, I, I don't understand the mentality behind that, quite frankly, no. because these are valuable materials. Mm. You know, you've got... Something which your milk carton, for example, which is made out of HDPE, it's probably worth something. I, I don't know what the current market rate is, but about 250 to 300 pounds a ton. That's a valuable commodity. And yet we're shipping it off to somebody because we don't know what to do with it. Yeah, That's crazy. You know, you yeah. look at Sweden, for example, uh, you do a lot of incineration. Well, they, they, virtually all their electricity has been provided by people giving them their plastic waste. Wow. It's called Fuel for Free. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's ludicrous. Fuel for Free. I love it. <laughs> oh, so simple, but genius. But, but it's not because in actual fact, you know, that should be one of the the sort of the last possible options yeah, because yeah. it's it's finite. It's, it's a resource that's finite. And, and we we have to stop thinking in a, in a linear way. Mm. Uh, linear lifestyles, linear economies, no. If we're mm. going to stay on this planet for as many years as we'd like to think we want to, with resources and the planet giving us the things that that keep us alive, that feed us, that give us our enjoyment, I'm specifically talking about yeah. the oceans here, yeah. you know, for all those things it gives yep. us, that we have to stop thinking in a linear manner. Well, let's hopefully get politicians on the same um 
framework that we're currently thinking from. I think that would be a wonderful thing if everyone thought in harmony in the same way for the good of the planet. It would be a very different world, I think. Good luck with that one. Yeah, I know. But moving on to my favourite part of the podcast. Now, this is our fact or fiction round. Okay, it's probably the first one of these you've probably done. This is a challenge. <laughs> this, is a, this is slightly a challenge. I'm going to ask you 10 questions and you are tasked with answering fact or fiction. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Okay, my credibility <laughs> could be on the line here. <laughs> um, there is more plastic in the sea than fish. Uh, fiction. And the reason I'll say that, if yes. I can just... No, go for it, go on. Is that I don't know how many fish there are in the sea. No, because how can we know? So it's one of those things, and I, I know that the figure of 2050 has been used quite a lot. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, one of my first question when I saw that quote um, is the uh, Ellen McCarthy Foundation came out with it. And, um, you know, I thought, well, how do we, I never knew how many fish there were in the sea. But if we do that, then that's great, because then yeah. we can sort of work out how much we can catch in the future. Okay. There you go. It's an optimistic thought that we'll know yeah. that one day. Plastics are a bigger planetary threat than global warming. Uh, fiction. Eating... Can I explain why? Yeah, go for it. Because, I love it. Because, because uh, global warming is a predicament. Yeah. Um, that's to say it's gonna, it is happening. There's, and, and we can't really... We can try and slow it down, but it's. Uh, I give you the sort of analogy of jumping off, off a cliff. You're going to hit the bottom, and you can wave your arms around. It's not going to make any difference. So what you should do is try and think, if I roll into a ball, will it hurt less? Will I, shall I try and slow myself down by flaring out? Whereas a problem, which is what plastic pollution is, mm. is, is still a problem. So I've jumped off the cliff, but I just managed to catch hold of it, and I can pull myself okay. up. I can ask for help. Right. That's so... I love that. That's very optimistic. Um, eating fish, you have consumed microplastics is safe. I'm going to say yes, because I don't want people to stop eating fish because, you know, it's... This is my it, dilemma. That it's a good it's thing. A good source I'm of going to say yes until we know more. Yeah, so, I agree. So um, it's safe, fact. Totally agree. Plastic is killing more than 1.1 million seabirds and animals every year. Uh, I think that that figure is an estimate. It could be right, so I'll go with fact. Gosh, that's terrifying. Products made of more than one type of material can't be recycled. They can. It's just very complicated. So that's actually fiction. Biodegradable plates and utensils are sustainable alternatives to single-use plastic. That is... I'm going to say that's fiction. And the reason for that is because biodegradable is a term that is widely used to mean... Is it more sustainable? It's a very very difficult argument. Biodegradable is misused as a term. Mm. People often see the word biodegradable and think, if I put this in my garden, it will suddenly disappear. That is not the fact. No. Biodegradable tent could also mean it's just made out of something that was a uh, is a reusable uh, source. So, for yeah. example, something made out of cornstarch, something made out of, um, I don't know, potato flakes or whatever. Yeah. At the end of the day, you've still got a polymer that is plastic, and there are a few issues with that. First of all, we don't have the means to recycle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it confuses the recycling process for, for non-biodegradable polymers. Uh, it can be composted, but you need commercial composting processes and we don't have enough of those yeah um if it gets into the ocean it doesn't biodegrade at all because it needs oxygen light and heat which it doesn't get um and i think but the most important one as well one you need to think about is that it continues to uh, perpetuate the myth that it's okay to use something once and throw it away yeah. that's what we need to yes. get out of thank you no i totally totally agree it's that mindset again um plastic is more harmful to our bodies than smoking no Plastic straws are the worst single-use plastic in existence. That's not true. I would say that probably plastic bags are. Uh, ah, yes. A million plastic bottles are brought in around the world every minute. 
um, quite possibly I'm not actually I'm up <gasps> to date. When I when I first started going on this route, it was uh, it was 24 million bottles were used, I think, in New York every day. <gasps> Um, and actually, what it's an it's an interesting thing because if you think about it, if one way we could actually sort this out, and I always yeah. used to say this, is if, yeah. like, if I get everybody who's bought a plastic bottle before they buy another one just to refill that plastic bottle, yeah. if you imagine New York, that would cut down, that would cut twenty what twenty four million bottles out, and suddenly people would start to, to take notice. Wow. But but yeah, I mean, I, I I think that figure probably is about right. Goodness me. And the final question, 90% of plastic polluting our oceans is carried by just 10 rivers. Um, that's probably true at the moment, yeah. They're pretty big rivers. Wow, thank you. Very good fact or fiction round, David. <laughs> it's really interesting because I think um, it's almost impossible to do a yes or no answer to any fact or fiction round in a subject that is as complex as science and the earth. <laughs> well, I hope I did my best. <laughs> you did very well. And that nearly wraps up our podcast. But as with every guest, we finish with a food for thought. So mine today would be that there is no hiding from the fact that plastic pollution is a real threat to the well-being of our planet and consequently our health. It is a scary thought that we have a real fight on our hands and to stop existing issues spiralling even more out of control. I think, David, used a nice analogy of falling off a cliff. How are you going to fall? We've actually got a chance to kind of make a change, stop using it as much as you possibly can. Importantly, I really want to encourage us all to try and make a difference. So whether it be changing our single-use plastic habits, recycling more of, just spreading the message, um, just please know that you're going to make a difference. And it was the Kennedy analogy, or not a statement you said, didn't you? Mm. Kennedy said that individually we can all make a difference. And it's unrealistic to think that big changes are going to happen overnight and we can't point the blame. But I hope after hearing everything today that if there were ever a time to step back and appreciate this beautiful planet that we live on, remember the whales that we've spoken about today and make some positive changes, it would be now. So, David, if I could ask you to share with our listeners anything, just one food for thought that you think would benefit them, what would that be? I think if you're looking at a plastic product, ask yourself is this an, if there is an alternative. Yeah. Do I need it? If anybody out there is still using disposable plastic bags, then that's something you could change instantly. Um, but ask yourself, do I need it? Is there an alternative? Which one would be better for the planet? Perfect. Well, David, I don't know how to thank you for, first of all, doing the job you do, the cause you're fighting for, the work you do, and for sharing all of your knowledge on this extremely important topic today on Food for Thought. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Food for Thought. It really is amazing to know there's such a craving to hear from expert voices in a world full of confusing advice. If you enjoyed this episode, you will absolutely love what's coming next week. So please make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please, if you have time, do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get our podcast out there to reach higher highs in the charts and hopefully help more and more people. For more information about my nutrition clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 